Welcome to Breaking It Down, a podcast where I help business owners, executives, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and leaders on how to break through their business and careers. I'm your host, Michelle Falcon, entrepreneur, author, keynote speaker, and businessinsider.com featured entrepreneur. Let's get started. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to the Breaking It Down podcast. I am your host, Michelle Falcon. Uh, If we have not connected on LinkedIn yet, there is a link to my LinkedIn profile just below in the show notes. There is also a link to my guest's LinkedIn profile, Aaron Kaufman. Uh, Aaron is the president of the Fifth Element Group, which is an experience firm that creates live and virtual experiences for their clients. And he is also based in Toronto. Aaron, before we get into your questions, you can only choose one thing, pizza or burgers. Which one are you rolling with? Oh, dude. I mean, pizza's phenomenal, but there is nothing like a fat, juicy burger. And where are you getting this burger from in Toronto? Do you have a spot? Oh, dude, there is nowhere like Golden Star. Golden Star? I've never heard of this place. Why? Oh, man. uh, Old school space, just north of Steels on Young. I'm not sponsored by them, but I might as well be because (laughs) this is the best burger on the planet. All right. Fantastic. Aaron, what type of questions do you have for me? Yeah, man. So, you know, I know that you are, uh, you know, you have a wonderful following when it comes to kind of business and culture and and leadership. And I'm wondering, you know, first and foremost, after, you know, this, this pandemic goes away, what do you see the, uh, the the major culture changes being um, when it comes to kind of working both uh, in office and remote? Yeah, there's the, there's the physical things that might come along with culture, like the high fives, the hugs, and, and all that, if that is your type of culture. So let me get that out of the way um, first. Uh, also along with kind of like physical space, are we going to retreat back to actual offices? I don't believe so. I think there's, there's conversations of that happening. And the open office concept was presented as an advantageous thing to do because it helped company culture. Some people say it, it helped with square footage and, and making uh, office spaces more affordable. But I truly believe that it positively impacted company culture. And I'll give you an example. I remember when I was working at uh, 1-800-GOT-JUNK and our COO, our newly onboarded COO, Eric Church, um, what he did in his first 30 days, I believe it was, is he took our cubicles that we had, which was still an open office environment, but when you walked by a cubicle, you couldn't really see see anybody's eyes. He spent some money to cut the cubicle walls down so that when you walked past a pod or a department, you could actually make eye contact with your colleague or your peer. And I remember telling him that's a small win for the culture and he acknowledged it. So what is our office spaces going to look now like now and how is that going to impact the physical company culture? It's going to be interesting to see quite for me, if I was operating a large company in an office environment, 
I would not be making plans with uh, for plexiglass dividers because I do think that this is going to pass. What I would be looking at, though, is uh, more flex options, uh, uh, such as work from home two days a week, three days a week, you come into the office because... Um, similar to a personal relationship, if you have a spouse or a girlfriend, uh, it's hard to maintain it virtually. It's hard to maintain it uh, long distance. And I think the same goes with relationships in in the workplace. Uh, so I do, I'm not on the, you know, I'm not a proponent of the work from home. And people can argue uh, with me about that. Um, but let me narrow in on one thing. And this is absolutely mission critical. And one thing that I am speaking to leaders about literally daily, multiple times a day, get prepared to deliver the speech of a lifetime to rebuild your company culture. When we are able to come back to our places of businesses, uh, whether that's restrictions lifting uh, so that our industries can actually reopen or if we can come back to our office spaces, Within the first 30 days, when we have our first all hands meeting or town hall, we as leaders to build our company culture, we need to have a very transparent conversation with our team and we need to answer questions for them, such as what decisions were made and why were they made during COVID-19? What type of government um, loans did we apply for and did we get? Which ones did we forego? Now, some people might ask, why is that any of their business? Well, because you need to help your team members connect the dots, right? As, a, a t- as an employee who can listen to the radio, watch TV, or who's browsing social media, they're seeing all these grants being given to companies, or it would be perceived that they're being given to companies, but not everybody's getting them. So if your team members think, why aren't I being brought back to work or why have I been reduced to part-time hours? You're getting grants. That might not be the case, right? So one thing I shared on LinkedIn yesterday uh, was something that I truly believe in, in that opinions are formed in the absence of communication. So if your employees are thinking something that is incorrect, whose fault is it? Probably the leaders for not communicating. You let them connect the dots for themselves. So now they are harboring perhaps some resentment toward you, the leader, to the culture and the company. So get ready to give that speech. And some people are going to be great at it and some people are going to be bad at it. And I believe they're going to be bad at it because they're not going to want to share too much information. It's a lot of pressure. It is. We got to become expert public speakers overnight, (laughs) right? Um, But I'm reminded about Howard Schultz, uh, the former CEO and executive chairman of Starbucks. And um, I'm I'm paraphrasing. I really hope I don't disrespect his quote or butcher it too much. But he said when he gave his speech to 10,000 managers in new Orleans for a conference during the recession in 2008, but I believe the, the, the conference happened in 2019 when the company was near insolvency, he told his leadership team, this is what I'm going to tell my team. 
and essentially said, I'm going to tell them that we have 60 days to turn around this company or we are going to be insolvent, which was true. And his executive team said, you can't do that. You're going to scare them. That's not the right message for them. And he said, I need to trust them with the same information that I have. Like, how powerful is that? But not everybody's going to be ready for that stuff, Aaron. Like, no. Like, you have to accept the truth. And the truth is, we are in a pit right now. And But how are we going to get it, get out of it? <laughs> One person can't do it. It's going to take an entire team, an entire tribe to be able to get out of this. So that's one of the things that I'm going to see. I'm suggesting to companies right now to answer your question. And, and pardon me, I, I <laughs> end the question to be this long. Oh, good. Or the, the answer, pardon me. But let's get ready for a speech of a lifetime. Great. So I got another one for you. Yeah. Um, and, you know, let, let's forget COVID for a second because, you know, uh, as the president of, of, a, of a creative firm, you know, one of the, one of the challenges that, that I find that I know that I talk to a lot of other uh, entrepreneurs and business owners about um, is the idea of empowerment, right? And so, um, you know, knowing that uh, a lot of creative organizations and creative firms were kind of started from the ground up before there was any, you know, uh, VC money or anything like that, right? And it wasn't even appropriate at the time uh, and kind of bootstrapped a lot of the development of a company uh, of creative companies is built on kind of the owner's back, right? And kind of the identity of the company is built on the owner's back. And so um, the question I get asked a lot, which I'm really interested in your take on is how and when do you know how to empower uh, the team of people that work under you? And then how do you measure those expectations? Uh, very good question. Um, I don't think there's a definitive time in when you're able to identify to empower your team. I think it has to be a part of the DNA of the company and how you uh, make it a part of the DNA of the company is you have values that speak to it. Um, and then you hire according to people that are going to fit within those values. Like Aaron, for you and I who are in leadership positions of our organizations, we aren't the ones that we aren't the ones that should be doing the work at this point, right? Maybe in the, or to your point, maybe in the early days, of course, we were the ones that we were, we were selling, we were delivering services and so forth. But now that we've grown a bit, right? We have these team members that should be uh, owning a lion's share of the responsibilities. And for them to do that properly, they need to be empowered to do the work, but that's going to go back to our sense of leadership. And do we have enough confidence in our team to allow them to actually do that and truly be brand ambassadors? I don't need to see another book that advocates having brand ambassadors on your team as in employees or culture ambassadors. Like I need to see leaders actually live that and want to achieve that. I know some, Leaders that are paralyzed at the thought of their team members uh, pitching clients without them in the room, right? Like that is a, a function of your poor leadership or a system or process that's broken. Like if you can't trust your team to um, be empowered every day to make responsibilities that may be successful or may fail, then there's a problem with how you're hiring or there's a part of the, there's something wrong with the culture and the values of the company. Uh, the, within the hospitality organization, we have uh, a core value titled ownership and, you know, off the record, it's own your shit. 
right? Like that's your responsibility. You are empowered every day to deliver on your responsibilities. You don't need my intervention. You shouldn't need my intervention to empower you to do that job because of something that I've referenced in another podcast that I've hosted uh, before with um, uh, Tanya De Silva uh, is three to one. When we hire individuals, we promise to give them three things. I'm going to pay you. I'm going to pay you on time. And I'm going to give you learning and development opportunities to advance your career with our company or another company. Or if you start your own company, I'm okay with that. But the one thing that I ask every team member to do is to bring your whole self to work, live within our values, maximum productivity, um, no office politics BS, right? Like don't call in sick when you're not sick, like bring your whole self to work. I'll do three things. You do one thing and you'll see this culture of high performance be developed. So going back to your question, I don't think, there's a time when you, a specific time that can be um, put forth to say, when should I empower my team? Now, in terms of how do I measure it, your own temperature, are you cool? Do you, do you feel like you've got the right team? Do you sleep well at night or do you, are you still worrying about things as you're trying to fall asleep being like, did Becky do that thing? Is Steve going to get that thing done? If you're able to rest easy and shut your laptop down in the day and be like, I have an awesome team. I I don't worry about these things like I once did. Then I think that's a a form of measurement without a KPI. It's just your well-being. How happy are you? Yeah, for sure. And I think so. And lastly for you, I guess, to add on to that question and, you know, part, part of these questions, you know, are certainly selfish because, you know, coming, coming into this and then out of this, you know, challenge, there's a lot that goes into, um, as you know, you know, creative and hospitality type organizations. And I think, you know, one of the things that I find is that um, certainly, you know, empowerment is, is certainly a thing. And I think that when, you know, when you empower your team, um, and, and this is certainly leading to a question, you know, um, accountability becomes a scary thing for the team, right? Because all of a sudden it's become less about you uh, kind of being the first and last line of defense and more about, you know, them owning more of their work, right? It's that one piece Mm -hmm. of thing that they have to do. And so how do you handle, um, you know, a, a staff or a team of people who, you know, are potentially ready for, uh, leadership and empowerment, but are afraid of having to be accountable for that kind of uh, pressure, I guess. You need to paint a realistic picture of what it's like to be a leader. When you sign up to be a leader, you signed up for the hardest job and everything that comes with it, success and failure. You've signed up for now dependent actually on your culture when you sign up to be in a leadership position of a high performance company, you're probably signing up for more than 40 hours a week. You're probably signing up for emails coming in in the evenings and the weekends that are expected to be responded to or responded within a short period of time. Mm -hmm. Um, So how you prepare them for it is telling them like, these are the things that are going to happen. This is the compensation that comes along with it, right? Which is probably... Mm -hmm higher and absolutely more rewarding but this is what comes with it yeah there's gonna be times where you're like i don't i don't know if i'm cut out for this right Mm -hmm. but let's 
avoid that by having an honest conversation now before you sign up for that leadership position. Right. Right. Um, I, uh, Kirk Kokorik, uh, is gentleman I'd never heard of before, but I think he was one of the first billionaires in the U S and recently passed away. He is famous for a number of things, but he started MGM grand, uh, cool hotels in Mm -hmm. Las Vegas. And, um, he said, um, leaders take all of the risk and should take none of the celebration, something like that. Right. None of the praise. Yep. And I thought about, I thought about the Toronto Raptors Mm -hmm. uh, winning the championship. And when they did, I noticed Larry Tannenbaum, the chairman of uh, MLSC that owns the Toronto Raptors. And this is not just him. This is every NBA sports team. Why is it that person, the owner of the team that gets to raise the trophy first? Mm-hmm. It should be the trainers. Absolutely. Like, you know, and, 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 and that's what other leaders need to know about as well too, is that at least in my perception, a proper leader is the one that, does like to kind of hide in the shadows or, or recognizes that that's a, a good thing to do um, and make sure that people that maybe aren't praised for the success of something um, gets that recognition and the attribution isn't always just to the individual who has the C on their jersey mm-hmm. or has the CEO title. Yeah. Um, paint a picture for them. Um, and, and, be realistic. And you know, you're being realistic. If you write these bullet points down, be like, you should expect this and this and this. And you're like, Oh my God, this is what I deal with. <laughs> like this is, yeah. this is my reality. And if you yeah. cringe at that, then you're probably being realistic. Absolutely. Because- you know, I, I love, I love the, um, the, the sports analogy because I watch a lot of, um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big sports fan and two of my favorite leaders ever, actually both hockey players, uh, one Mark Messier, as I grew up and, and watched him kind of, you know, his intensity is what led the team. Uh, and I didn't see a leader again like that until Jonathan Taze, uh, who's the captain of the Blackhawks right now and same, same type of thing. And so, um, you know, I, I completely agree wholeheartedly with what you're saying. And I also think when you have a great team of people, um, you know, they are able to put their collective leadership abilities together right to be able to kind of form even a a greater leader like you know like a you know any any kind of cartoon where all the individuals come together to create kind of one big robot that defeats the enemy at the end right it's one of those types of things where you hope that you know collectively everyone's little bit of leadership trumps your one leadership and and hopefully you know you, you can lead that way at least that's what i think so great references. I wish I was in a Vancouver Canucks fan because then I could like Mark Messier, but I despise <laughs> him. Um, however, I love Jonathan Taves, but I also, so let me kick Mark Messier to the curb, but I would replace him with a number, another 19, Steve Eiserman. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, captain of the, of the Detroit Red Wings at 19, very yep. similar to Jonathan Taves. I think he yep. got it at 20, but yep. like I was probably breaking beer bottles over my head when I was 19. Imagine leading an organization of, of professionals. Like, Oh my God, I would not have been ready for that. 
right? No. I, I, I don't, not at that age. So no. I commend any past, present, or future leader. Let's be honest with what we're signing up for. It's hard, right? Sure. And, and when you sign up to be a leader, as I mentioned, you're signing up for the hardest job. Uh, Aaron, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Um, other than LinkedIn, yep. which I'm going to link up your uh, profile in the show notes. Is there anywhere else you want people to find you? Uh, for sure. I mean, you can, you can find, um, clearly some of the work that my company does. It's uh dot spelled out F I F T H. Uh, and if you want to see some more, um, about me, clearly you can find me on Instagram, Aaron Kaufman, CSEP, and the company's work is fifth element group GRP. So F I F T H element GRP on Instagram. And, uh, I'm always happy to chat with people and answer questions. I, I do a lot of, uh, a lot of speaking on, you know, on industry and creative and, um, even a little bit of leadership stuff. And so, you know, I'm really thankful for the work that you're doing. I follow it. I love it. Um, and I think, you know, leaders always have to have a voice. And so I appreciate you having me and, and giving me an opportunity to have a voice on your show as well. Thank you so much, Aaron. And everybody, my link uh, for LinkedIn is in the show notes as well, too. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and I will catch you next time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If your company is interested in inviting me to keynote speak at a company event, be sure to visit my website, michellefalcon.com. If you have any questions on what you heard on this episode, email me directly at michelle at michellefalcon.com. I'll see you on the next episode.